0: Welcome to Kizuna, a Taysan innovation podcast. Like Kizuna, the Japanese word for enduring bonds between people, we believe in the power of co-creation when it comes to developing the newest technologies of the future. My name is Franziska. I'm an innovation advisor and your host of Kizuna. And I'm super excited for this episode, which is about sustainable mobility. Here at Kisuna, we explore the evolving mobility not only from a manufacturing perspective, but also from a human perspective. With me again, we have our main guest for the series, Jay Lazar, emerging technology strategist and fusionist who led Global Initiative when it comes to manufacturing, the circular economy, the metaverse and so much more. Welcome, Jay. How are you today?
1: Hey, hello. Um, I'm fine. Thank you. I'm really fine. It's uh, many insights when it comes into climate change, for example.
0: Yes, I'm super, super excited also for our guest for the series, who is Smita Sudaram. She is the culprit sustainability manager of Teijin, who actually is the first materials company carrying out life cycle assessment for its carbon fiber products. And um, welcome, Smita. It's so good to have you here. Um, how are you today? And could you maybe introduce yourself a little bit more? Sure. Thank you, Francesca. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
2: Um, well, as, as you mentioned, my name is Smita and I am corporate sustainability manager at Teijin. I'm based in the Netherlands, um, but I work for Tejan Global, so all our business units, um, all our material production facilities, like carbon fiber, um, composites, glass fiber composites, polycarbonates, and so on. Um, my main role is to carry out um, life cycle assessments of our products, so measuring the environmental impacts of our products, principally in our own production, but also Uh, to investigate the impact in the use phase and the end of life. Um, Hmm. That's what I mainly do, but I also support our company in um, calculations like avoided emissions and um, reporting frameworks and, and
0: setting targets and so on great um before we dive deep into your expertise um i just wanted to ask you know maybe both of you actually sustainability i mean this is like a term like everyone uses these days super important you know there are many like you know angles to uh define sustainability um maybe you can start Smita, what's your personal definition of sustainability it's a very good question. <laughs> um, like you say, the
2: the textbook definition of sustainability would be um, living currently in a way within our means such that future generations can continue to to live uh, with a with a reasonable uh, standard of living. That mm-hmm. would be how how we put sustainability. For me, it's um, a little bit different. Of course, we would want our future generations to live. Um, well enough in a world that's still not polluted. You still have good water. You have good food. Um, but for me, it's also more about the Earth as a whole. So about the other species that we live with um, for biodiversity. Um, and and I think it's it, we should not separate uh, sustainability from, I mean, we should not separate humans from the other species. So for me, sustainability is living in the present
0: with a world that's that's conducive to all life yeah the really like holistic perspective i feel right um jay what do you think like um what does sustainable sustainability Mm -hmm. mean
1: for you Mm -hmm. so uh smita already made a very valid point this is how it should be um mostly the people struggle with it because if you are listening especially to corporates they see it from an economic perspective so when you some bigger corporates when when i've heard during the, the the press conferences like sustainability means for them that they make sustainable uh, profits this is not sustainability this is greed if we stay in this economic consideration then it would rather be like you have a bank account and you only withdraw how much you earn mm-hmm. so not living on your future costs being in balance so that you do not need to be scared of the future. Currently, what we are doing, we have completely overstretched our account. We don't have money anymore in this account. So this is from this economic perspective, how to describe it. If we are going through the the holistic perspective, if we are looking into um, we as humans, we as planet, we as part of this whole ecosystem, and this is important, it's an ecosystem. It needs to be in balance. Everything Mm -hmm. is... Depending on something else, there is nothing that is completely, let's say, unnecessary. Even, let's say, the mosquito is necessary. So being aware of this and as soon we as humans try to repair things that we've broken due to the complexity, we just make it worse. Mm. So sustainability would mean in an optimal, in an ideal phase that there is someone who has this holistic, overview and simply slaps your fingers as soon you find to overtune something just because of your ego and
0: mm. um, looking um you know from an economic perspective and the the pandemic um what do you think i mean maybe maybe smita you can start here what are the key learnings what did we learn here because sustainability and um, also when it comes to manufacturing is really also a mindset i think um And what are, you know, the key learnings you think we earned, you know, from this pandemic? Mm, It's actually a very, very good question. And
2: um, I would say one of the main ones, if it comes to production, if we focus only on production, is um, how important it is to localize your supply chain, localize your own um, production process. So clearly, we faced um, shortages of a number of things, which we're still facing. For example, semiconductors and and other materials to to make um, electronics and electrical products. Uh, shipping was a problem. So a lot of materials were were in places which we could not access due to lockdowns. So I think from from strictly from a production perspective, it was how you you have to make your production as locally and as um, tight as possible. Um, but if we, if we had to look, of course, that also plays a role in your footprint because you are you, you have less transport. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think on the other side, it sort of showed that we don't need a lot of things to really live comfortably. We didn't have to travel. We, of course, we missed travel, but we didn't really need it. We could work from our homes. We could do with less stuff. We could do with less clothes. We could eat healthy. We did not yeah. need to always eat out. So there's a lot more to it rather than just you know the production. I see. I see it more as uh, it, it it at least uh, helped me realize I don't need a lot of things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Same. I realized, you know, like when, when, when the pandemic hit, you know, working remotely, you focused on like being healthy, you know, you went for walks in the park that was next to your house, you know? Um, but I do have to say, I miss traveling and meeting people a lot. Um, and now I'm in Mexico city at the moment and makes me really feel like, okay, I really value, you know, that travel is possible. Um, Again, and I think, Jay, we spoke a lot during the pandemic. Um, for you, it was really like, you know, you, you, you I think you didn't like to, to be at home all the time. <laughs> um, maybe you can say some words to that.
1: I, I would not say I did not like it at home. This would be a bit too much. The thing is, I felt like a tiger in a cage mm-hmm. because yeah. it's my business. I have to travel because some things I simply cannot do remotely. And here it comes again into what changed with the pandemic. On the one side, we are experiencing a new pandemic-induced minimalism. When the Mm -hmm. people are staying at home, they do not need a closet full of fast fashion. They are paying more attention onto quality instead of quantity. So this is already one finding. When we are talking about about, um, production, production is not just the product. It's not just the supply chain. It's as well the people who are working. So here as well, the people experienced a new type of quality. Hey, if I can work more remotely, I do not need to go to the office. Our offices could become smaller just for the necessary. So in fact, it was a healthy, healthy experience. We should catch this momentum, but at the same time, out of these findings from the private space, this minimalism, we can uh, extrapolate out of this how the future should look like. So being mindful with our resources, because it was not the first pandemic, it's not the only pandemic, it is not the last pandemic. So how will we be prepared for the future? And uh, I am currently in Miami. Um, and to see how the people, how the different governments, how how these different states dealt with, with the pandemic, how uh, Miami, for example, was one of the most restricted cities in the U.S. They went into complete shutdown. No one was allowed to, to, to enter. Um, so it left as well some kind of scars in the people. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes into sustainability, one thing that concerned me very much, and we had several of these of these uh, talks with, with uh, Francesca during the pandemic, social distancing. This is something, it should not have been named social distancing, it should have been called um physical distancing and we needed something to stay close from the social perspective this is as well part of the sustainability sustainability mm-hmm. is embedded into the whole ESG mm-hmm. is embedded into how we take how we will be in the future so not just uh, not just our economy not just our environment mm-hmm. as it's as well we don't have enough focus on our social behavior mm-hmm. that we are getting sick That uh, if we work too much, and there are some people who simply need to work much, um, it does not mean that everyone needs to do it. We are different people, not just introverts and extroverts. We have as well ambiverts and omniverts. We have to understand this when we are going into the working level. Um, Some people, when they've been in lockdown, in home office, for them, it was paradise. It was not being clocked away. All of these bitheads, all of these nerds that do not want to talk with other humans, for them it was paradise. So our corporate or our working uh, responsibility to fulfill the sustainability in our society is as well to understand with whom are we working? How yeah. can we set up something that the people simply feel appreciated, that they feel value, and that they get a job they love to do? And it doesn't matter where they
0: are. Yeah. Maybe we can actually speak about um, this, like, you know, phenomenon being connected when it comes also to life cycle assessment. Because I think, like, it really has something to do there that we have to be connected also across all the departments. And um, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about, um, you know, how to work and what are the strategies there, you know, and also about the metrics um, you know, that you use to measure.
2: Yes, yes. So so in a typical life cycle assessment, um, we study, it depends, um, let's not get too technical, but you could study anything between 10 to 15 um, impact categories. That's what we call them, we call them impact categories or the KPIs. It's how you measure the impact of your product on the air, soil and water. So for air, you would have the global warming potential, which everybody knows is the tons of CO2 that your product releases per per ton of your product. So it's a relative term. Um, And then you have um, particulate matter, how much of particulate matter your product production process releases, um, how much of uh, ozone depletion potential your product has. So that's all about the air. And then you have water, you have uh, marine toxicity, Freshwater toxicity, you also simply have uh, a KPI on how much of water your process consumes because that's a very important measure. And it's something that um, people often don't consider to be very important, but it is very important. And then soil toxicity and so on. So these are just the major categories that you look at in an LCA. Mm -hmm. Um, Although we do an LCA, a full LCA for all our products, um, and this is, and I say in general, um, in the, when it comes to, to corporates, the focus is always on the climate change. It's always on the GWP. So GWP, also known as climate change. It's it's how much of, of carbon emissions your product is is giving out. But it's very important to look at the whole picture. So um, it's not only the, the climate change. It's also the water. It's also the soil. It's also biodiversity. Biodiversity is also a very important uh, aspect. So what we tend to do now at the moment as corporates is be like this: we only focus on the GWP, and really, it's high time we moved on and looked at it holistically, because typically, what happens is you start working on reducing your 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 carbon emissions, but you end up creating a problem somewhere else. Uh-huh. It's it's a classic um, case of any solution. As an example, we can um, look at solar panels. Let's say. Okay, I'm not saying solar panels are bad, but solar panels do, do serve your purpose of reducing uh, emissions in the air. But solar panels are also extremely resource intensive. You need a lot of materials for it, you need a lot of metals for it, and metals which are rare. So you end up causing a lot of problems when it comes to uh, resource depletion and, and, and mining. And they also need a lot of water. And um, all of this releases toxic emissions into the water and soil. So if you're only looking at reducing emissions due to the use of solar panels, you are forgetting the big picture. And and that is where we need to change um, how we we approach the results of an LCA. And the LCA is a great tool. You can can get all of this information, but the important thing is how you use it uh, to to guide your decision-making. And then coming to your other question of of how it works in, in, in cross departments, Mm-hmm. It's it's very challenging to to put it very lightly because it involves talking to your production team, um, gathering data. So you have to really gather production data from your plant. Um, you know, uh, how much of materials did you use? How much of energy did you use? How much of waste did your plant produce? Um, how much of product did you make? Where is the raw material coming from? Um, the transport of your raw material to your to your, to your plant or, or factory. Um, and then we take all of this information and we put it into our software and then we calculate the, the emissions, um, the, the results. And then it's about putting all of this in a report. You actually have to detail everything about your process in this report and then you have to get it certified by a third party company. So it's it's like an audit it's like an audit of your, your product, the production of your product. It does not mean that you have to adhere to specific guidelines because that's not the, the idea here. Um, the idea is simply to report that this is what the impact of our product is and we do this for several reasons. One is of course customers ask for this information. Um, a lot of, uh, of OEMs and, and other chemical companies who use our products ask for this data But it's also for ourselves, because we have set targets to reduce our our impacts. So these LCA's really help you find the problem areas or the hotspots. And then you can start working on reducing them.
0: Yeah, super, super interesting. Jay, you want to say something? Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's very interesting. Thank you for this insight, Smita. Um, The thing is just, if you describe completely right this, this over complexity, that we humans have this carbon tunnel vision. It's like Mm -hmm. having a horse with his blinkers. The thing is what is important for you as part of this whole value chain, your considerations stop with your company. So you are producing something. It will be passed over to your clients, to your customers. Mm -hmm. This is when your reporting stops your clients are requesting the data because they can then work with it, work maybe in a creative way to reduce their own reporting. For you, it would be as well important as part of this overall value chain that you get reverse data from your OEMs, from the other companies that you don't get right now. So that you have as well the full overview end to end what happens afterwards because when you have a clean product that is then misused in a dirty way you need to know this because then you can start considering okay what if i change slightly my product that it starts to mitigate what happens afterwards
2: Mm. yes yes that that's that's very true and that is where this this whole concept of, of collaboration and working with your value chain comes in. And yes, Tejan has been um, working on that. Uh, It's very important, without which you basically, you're right, we have only half the picture, basically, when we come to our own product. And it's important to also understand what happens in the use phase, what happens at the end of life. And the idea is hopefully in the future with these um, platforms, with these these blockchain-based platforms, where you can really track each material, you can track who gives you what, you can track what happens with your product. And finally, what happens with it at the end of life, you will start bringing it back into the chain and and start making um, the same product, hopefully. Um, But I I totally agree with you. At the moment, we still have a lot of work to do when it comes to traceability and bringing things back in the loop. What
1: we might need here is uh, a new understanding it, the, the mindset needs to change because currently only a few will share this data. They will not present this data in if it's in blockchain, if it's wherever, because they consider it as your secret. Mm-hmm. And this is wrong. We are hiding beh- behind secrets. Of course, we should protect our secret source, but the rest for the overall value chain needs to be transparent. This is something that the majority of the people don't understand when they talk about blockchain. blockchain is about transparency immutability comes through transparency Mm -hmm. it's not i'm hiding everything behind a huge fortress Mm -hmm. so here this overall we have to unlearn our old behavior this competition we are entering an era of collaboration cooperation and hopefully as well trust
2: yes Mm -hmm. yes absolutely yeah and i think just to add here that legislation plays a very important role here and Mm -hmm. um It's true that companies are reluctant to share information. That's very true. Um, But once you see A, that the government is pushing you to do it, you have to do it. There is no other way. And the second thing is if all your peers are doing it and um, your customers demand it slowly, uh, there is a shift. I, I see it within our company. I see it in the industry as a whole, that once everybody starts going there, you also eventually get it. The question is the speed do you get there in two years or do you get there in 20 years
0: yes and and at this time speed is very important so yeah yeah um today maybe we can talk at this stage about um about container x because i feel like this is like a project um um, yeah what do you i mean because it sounds like it sounds perfect actually to me but what's what are what are the problems here or why you know um is this still a challenge you know i mean it's over engineered yeah, okay. it's
1: over-engineered. This is the issue. Um, we Germans, we tend to make things over perfect. We fine tune everything and we mess it up with Katena. It's similar, like with Gaia X, with all of these initiatives, they are super important. Yes. But if OEMs or major industries are setting themselves or putting themselves into a position, into deciding into the steering committee and let their suppliers just be on the working level. So command and order, um, it cannot really work. So right now in Katena for example, there are several streams as well to hmm, maybe set up alternatives because there is a clash. Um, the other thing is corporates, big entities are trying to get the, best piece, the one with the cherry of the cake. So, of course, it's uh, Smita mentioned legislation. Um, you see, for example, what happened uh, with this uh, leaving the combustion engine by 2035 uh, in in Europe. If you allow the ones who are responsible for this misery to describe all of these, these processes, all of these measurements, all of these, these milestones and so on, they start to blur it. So right now this leave the combustion engine has a small embedded, if we can use synthetic fuels, then it's okay. Synthetic fuels are still local emissions. Plus you are using crap loads of energy to produce something that is inefficient. So here like Katena, like Gaia, too many people have a veto right or are participating only from their egoistic perspective and simply something that is necessary, that would be a great solution. They are cannibalizing it. So Mm. in my opinion, Catena is important, yes, but right now it's somehow on the edge. It might become just paper, print it out, throw it away.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Smita, what do you think?
2: Um... (laughs) <laughs> I, I was actually not aware of this this view. I had also quite a rosy view of of Kateda X. Um, for me, as simply as a person who works in sustainability, it's it's a good initiative, I think, to make things more transparent. Um, but from what I understand, of what you said, Jay, do you mean that automotive com? It's a one way um, street, and and automotive companies are not entirely truthful, or or, or they have their own agenda. So. This.
1: Look, Smita. If we could trust our industries, and the main issue is that industries are are set up around profitability.
2: Of course.
1: This is the holy cow where we are dancing around.
2: Yes.
1: It's and the thing is, if you imagine this profitability as the light bulb in the center, and everyone is standing around, you don't see what is behind you. Mm -hmm. So we are just focused on this one thing. It's, it's simply the system, how it works. Yes. If um, our automotives, for example, if you stay with automotives, if they would be the shiny, great advancement through technology and so on, something like 2015 Dieselgate would not have happened. In many of these corporates across the industry till 2019 sustainability, was just a title on your business card. It was an empty office that simply, like in previous times in in, in the early 2000s, security was just a title no one really cared about because it's something that you cannot grab, that does not bring you, that does not fulfill your KPIs, OKRs, ROIs, the whole alphabet of horror. Instead of doing the right thing, we are obsessed with doing it in the most profitable way. So, means save money or make with it money. So, analogy to the security is I don't see the value. I'm paying a, f- a few nerds that are doing something, they just cost me money. And I only see how much I, uh, money I lose when something bad happened. So, through these iterations, cyber security, cyber defense became very, very important. Mm-hmm. With sustainability, something similar. It just costs you money. You need certification you need people that don't do anything valuable from the perspective of the controllers and accountants they are doing some virtual blurry stuff no one gets it now that I and i really hope that the, Euro, the european union will will really do or embed esg criteria as part of the regulatory system so not adjust if you miss your vltp fuel consumption vltp co2 emission targets that you pay billions of, of, of penalty to the european union no for everything else the whole esg if your company is responsible for burnouts if it's a hotspot of burnouts in your uh, uh, economy then they should pay a compensation for it because otherwise the society has to pay for it if your company outside of of, of CO2 emissions, if they are the core root cause for something different for for um, toxicity in in, in another area, just because we don't look into this corner, does not mean they are not responsible for it. So -hmm. this is the issue. And here are I really hope that the European Union will lead this way that they will keep their promise setting up this ESG, even if it hurts, And the corporates, as long they, it does not hurt them, as long they, like with with GDPR, like with cyber defense and so on, as long it does not hurt them, they won't do anything. So, voluntarily doing something is nice just for marketing and PR purposes, but as long it does not hurt you, you simply will not do it. The pain needs to become bigger.
2: True, true, and I'm sure you know. In this this disregard, you know about the CSRD, you know about the EU taxonomy. All of these are along the lines that you mentioned. The idea is to make companies accountable, to help to to force them to declare what they do, to to align their activities to become more sustainable. And if you don't. There is, a, there is one clause there which would not um, which is still linked to the, to the profit thing because it's about investors. It's about mm-hmm. um, bringing money in, but the idea is to put your money where you see serious change and not yeah. simply throw your money at something that probably you know is not good in the future. So mm-hmm. yes, unfortunately, everything is linked to money. And, and I also agree the source of the problem is that until we really address the way our economy works, Mm. we we have to keep coming
1: back to this this question again and again L- yeah. look um it it <clears throat> does not mean force is 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 a very hard thing we have to set up rules that are fostering an intrinsic motivation not to squeeze the last drip of profitability out of something and here one very important uh, uh, signal came from the us this business club in 2018, I think, when 180 CEOs signed, it doesn't matter if they fulfilled it, but it was a clear sign that they want to shift away from uh, shareholder orientation towards stakeholder orientation. Mm -hmm. Being Having, let's say, from one of the corporates where I've been involved, they have even planned um, that the CEO will sign several contracts. One contract should have been with Planet Earth the second one with the employees, the third one with the uh, uh, customers, uh, four or five contacts. So this means, of course, it never took place because this was too radical, but it's an, already a good idea. It's a mm-hmm. commitment where you sign for it, that you will behave. There was uh, a, a research done by the TU the Munich, I think, where they have uh, um, interviewed several leading uh, managers and uh, figured out every fourth manager, does not give a piece for ethics and moral behavior. Every fifth manager um, intentionally ignores it and this is one of the problems. If you are not responsible, if you do not feel responsible, if you are not motivated, why should you? No one looks at you if you just fulfill your Check mark and uh, the, your KPIs and so on, so that you as manager get your bonus. It should be as well something slightly different that we do not need to run for money all the time. It's good enough if we simply have a good feeling with it.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think it's really about um, strengthening the responsibility with these regulations, um, but also keeping the playfulness, right? Because like in the end, sustainability. Um, and sustainable mobility is about innovation. And if we, you know, take this as this like super serious pro- um, project, you know, where everyone is like, oh, we don't want to talk about it. And every like third manager is like, I don't really want to tackle this problem. And um, I think then we are going the wrong path. Right. And um, so um, what I want, I really want to dive a little bit more deep into the material side of things with that. Sure. Um, Can you, so when people say, like, okay, sustainable uh, products are too expensive, right? Can you maybe, like, um, tell us a little bit about your findings there and why, what are your opinions towards this, you know, like? Yes,
2: sustainable, innovative products versus the cost. Yeah, (laughs) it's, 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 unfortunately, at the moment, we're still, we're still there. So, because it's, It's not surprising, any new product, any new innovation has a lead time until it really becomes um, so commonplace that you start making profit. Um, So the initial cost is always high. And it's the same thing we find in the materials industry as well. And it's a little more complicated because um, the materials that we deal with are are specialty materials. So they're not like um, steel of which you buy tons and tons and tons, and and, then it's everywhere. Our materials are everywhere, but they're in uh, small quantities. So you may find them in in, in an automobil- in an automobile in the brake pad. You may find something in um, in a seat, and you may find it a little bit everywhere. So so you have to really the the um, uh, how do I say the cost is high because it's a specialty material, and we have to put in a lot of um, resources, time, R and D, to really develop these innovative solutions. So at the moment, it's still it's still a challenge. The cost is high, and um, there there's also a bit of a of a we're at a crossroads now, sort of a transition. So we have to make our production cleaner. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a no-brainer. We have to do it. We want to do it. But as long as we're still tied to the costs, we have to face increasing um, costs for renewable energy. I won't say increasing; they're still high. Um, but now we are at a point where fossil fuels are also high so everything is high but but let's 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 leave that aside that that, that fossil fuels are also high it's a temporary thing hopefully um, but we have to uh, keep in mind our production costs we have to keep in mind r and d and the fact that we have to uh, find customers who are ready to use these innovative solutions and then see what happens also in the product itself. It's a long lead time, you have to know, is it really making a difference in the use phase? Am I really seeing over the whole life cycle? Is it bringing any benefit or is it not really bringing any benefit? So you have a lot of time involved in actually seeing the impact of your your solutions, but also the high production cost. Um, So at the moment, we are still, still stuck there. And when I, um, we, last year I was, oh last year, this year, I was at the JC in Paris. Mm-hmm. And it's the same story, especially when it comes to uh, sustainable composites or more uh, biocomposites. Everybody wants a nice shiny product, which claims to have a lower footprint, but are they ready to pay for it? No. And um, all suppliers, all manufacturers have the same story and they're kind of disillusioned because they find that the um, their customers are not ready to pay this premium for a new product. So where is the problem? I know, but how do you solve yeah. it? I don't know, Jay, any ideas? <laughs> yes, yes.
1: Because you described very beautifully the, the issue that every step in the supply chain only sees itself. Mm. So, of course, if you have each of these people who is Telling you it's so expensive for me. It's so expensive for me. It's so expensive for me. Mm -hmm. You will not pay. You will not pay. You will not pay. We will simply be stuck. And the solution is here what we've already discussed before is this co creation, is this communication, collaboration, cooperation. Mm -hmm. So if you would see, if you would have this one data pool where you can push your public available or not the secret source. If, let's say, across the whole value chain, everyone who is participating sees not just his own part, but as well the other parts, they can together optimize everything. Maybe the end OEM, the end industry, does not really need... They can skip this and that. Mm -hmm. You can share all of these expenses, for example. For this, you would need a new approach that is called cross-innovation, which is not open innovation, all these different parties, all these different industries have to talk with each other. Mm-hmm. So that right now that you are not alone with, um, with this whole development, with setting up everything and learning from your perspective, but as soon you get access to information what happens afterwards, you can optimize it on your end. The others can optimize as well. So in average, it becomes cheaper or more affordable. Mm-hmm. In the, especially in the German industry, many players live this need to know principle. So you, as part of the supply chain, get only the information, the small mm-hmm. inf- piece of information that you need for your job. But you need far more information to be of value. So in fact, the industry is behaving in, a, in some kind of self-destructive way by keeping away informations, not sharing informations, It's, come on, like the NSA or CIA. If you are just telling this m- one small piece, you are blurring around, and the outcome is different than how it should be. So cross innovation is crucial for, for the future. If you want to learn more. Yeah.
2: I've made a note, so I will read it up. <laughs>
0: That makes so much sense because I feel like when the the responsibility is shared, you know, it becomes easier for everyone. Um, And I also think, you know, maybe from a cultural perspective, um, sharing, you know, um, the different cultures, you know, with each other, right? Like we said about, like, Germany is very bad with, you know, we are over complicating everything but we're very good in other things you know so if we would work better together you know because sustainability is a global problem and um, or not a problem but like you know a global issue um i think we're um we're on the right track um smitha like when you envision um the uh sustainable mobility in 2050 you know or the future um And let's talk a little bit more about the human, you know, like we talked a lot about like about the supply chains and manufacturing. How do you see, um, you know, the future of mobility in 2050?
2: Yeah, good question. (laughs) It's so far away, but I I think we need to, I would like to see a future where we move away from personal mobility to more public, uh, more Mm -hmm. mass transit more um, shared mobility, because the thing with, um, it also ties into the the circularity thing. We need to, of course, reduce emissions. We need to um, live more sustainably, but the best way, the best energy and the best resources you save are the ones you don't use. So for me, it's the future should be more about less, buying less personal cars, more, more, mass transit and um, hopefully electric transit. Um, yeah, and, and, and traveling only when you need to. I know that's very difficult because um, we, we like to travel, I like to travel, but there is a guilt that I have about traveling. And um, yeah, in future, I don't know, if, if everything becomes cleaner overall, probably um, it's okay to travel. But at least in our day-to-day lives, I, think I, would, I would think more and more um, public transport is what I would like to see everywhere and moving away from the culture of having your own car and, and three cars or whatever. Because even, even if you have an electric car, you are using so much of resource. You are using an incredible amount of, of um, materials an incredible amount of energy, um, which at some point has consumed um, a lot of energy and materials to make. That's so that's I, I would see the future. I would like to see the future.
0: Jay, is the future electric? <laughs> what is your opinion towards what's So,
1: um, the electric powertrain, definitely, because this is the most efficient way where the energy comes from, if it's if it's a battery, if it's a fuel cell, if mm. it's, uh, I don't want to mention a small nuclear or fusion reactor, maybe it might be a genetically modified hamster that is running in a hamster. It doesn't matter. Fact is that the energy to put it directly into an electric motor is the most efficient way. This yeah. is concerning electrification. In my opinion, the future of mobility is diverse. It will be adapted onto your needs. In north of Europe, we need a different mobility than in south of Europe, than in Dubai, than in Miami, than in wherever. I see, for example, a huge trend as well in nautical areas towards electric ships using more sails, Um, having a a tanker that has this, this huge kite that simply supports it. So I see here maybe even a new way of travel Imagine, for example, if we would have in 2050 airships again, a completely Mm -hmm. new kind of travel, a more sustainable kind of travel, more sail ships again. I definitely, within Europe, if it's not too far away, I mean, from from Munich to to Lisbon, uh, with a a train, it's not really fun. Uh, But I would like to travel more, far more with train. For this, we need as well a different railway system. It needs to be, you need to to sleep in it. Uh, You need to be able to get your stuff. If like in Germany, sorry, again, Germany, um, if you are even not not able to take a phone call because there is no disconnectivity, it sucks. Mm -hmm. So here, when we are talking about human centricity and mobility is a human need. It needs Mm -hmm. to adapt on our needs. It needs to be clean enough. It needs to be comfortable enough. It needs to be affordable. So, future of mobility, when we are strong enough to demand it, will be more about this sharing these mobility spaces. If it's via cars, autonomous cars, however they will look like, uh, 10-seaters and so on, uh, massive more public transportation. Um, It will be a cross-country mobility, more trains. Um, Long-distance mobility, we see electric planes. Uh, We see fuel cells, uh, more Mm -hmm. hydrogen and so on. So in my opinion, if we really can overcome this momentum of preserving what we have now, this fear of losing it, our vroom vroom that majority of the people do not realize, is not the engine that you hear. It's a synthetic generated sound because over 35 kilometers per hour, the loudest thing on your car are the tires. So the sound that you hear in the inside of the car comes from a loudspeaker so here's simply overcoming unlearning all of this old stuff and being Mm -hmm. open for the uh, for the new stuff then of course 2050 will be a cumbrian explosion of mobility niches where we use them how we want when we want and it will make fun
0: how can we unlearn because i feel like i think this sounds really really good but how can we change our mindset here. Like, um, what can we do maybe tomorrow or even today um, to really make this work day? Like, what's your... Acceptance.
1: Unlearn, the first way for unlearn and unthink is you have to accept that the thing that you have now is not forever and that it's okay to let it go. Hmm. Unlearning, really, the first process is to realize that things are not eternal. I do not need, when when I think back, four-cylinder vehicles, six-cylinder vehicles, eight-cylinder vehicles, and so on. It's, I mean, we started somewhere. We can go back again. We can do it in a different way. Before the cars, we had horses. Everyone was so scared of losing his horse. Then came the cars. Well, after the cars, we come something different. So unlearning means to accept, to embrace, to be positive about this.
0: Mm. Yeah. Smitta, what do
2: you think? I think yeah, that's that's actually a very very good way to put it. But I also think innovation sometimes adds to the problem. Because like you said, six six what did you say?
1: The cylinder. But
2: the end yes, yeah. Sorry, I'm terrible with, with no worries. terminology. But yes, the six cylinder, eight cylinder, I don't know, fifty, four cylinders. But that's also innovation, right? So so innovation um, has to be used wisely and, and it has to be used um, you, to to your goal has to be very clear so you can innovate and make even better IC engines you can make even cleaner IC engines um, you can continue to to sell personal cars um, but is that what we want no so innovation has to be specific it has to be goal oriented and um, it has to be disruptive according to me and then um but yes, the first step to do that is to is to accept that, is to to open your eyes and realize you don't need to go on in the same way. Um, but you also have to be open to some inconveniences. I think so. We okay, not me, but because I don't drive a car. But I know people who are who don't even want to walk five minutes to the nearest bus stop and and catch a bus, or um, it will take ten minutes more. So we need to change. How we live, we need to change um, to accept that things can slow down a little. And I think that's also what the pandemic kind of taught us that yes, you can slow down, you can live um, a little bit more in a more relaxed manner, and then accept that these things will not be as convenient as they were. So yeah, I need a shared car, I need to probably check the availability, I need to book, but I need to do these things, I need to spend 10, 10 minutes in my day to plan this. So, I think it also involves changing yourself and the way you you approach things.
1: Yeah, it's expectation. We are, our life is, we experience it or we understand it's chaotic because it's not predictable. So these inconveniences are part of our life. If you, let's say, go to the bus station and it was everything timed and the bus is simply delayed. It's inconvenient. Okay, it's, I, I don't like it. But come on, this is life. Does it yes. really hurt me? No, it doesn't. No. So the small inconveniences—it's—it's it's simply just a different position on how you how you view it. And uh, um, if you waste your time now or later, it doesn't matter. We should simply learn to chill a bit.
2: Yes, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree it's it's like i have to be there yeah okay you have to be there you plan but
0: life happens Mm. what did they do 50 years ago yes exactly like also this accessibility we're used to like getting everything in every moment you know like and i think we should really um yeah relax a little bit and maybe also this makes us better humans because every change usually helps us to rethink you know and widen our scope and our perspectives um and um, yeah, super, super cool. Thank you so much, Smita. We're running out of time, unfortunately. Oh, <laughs> Changing perspective. The Mexican sun is really hitting <laughs> <laughs> me. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I'm super I'm <laughs> not <laughs> <laughs> but I changed the mindset. Um, it was super fun to have you. Um, yes, and sure. I'm sure that, you know, if um, anyone who listens and-, and watches us now wants to reach out to you, can always reach out to you um as well for any suggestions um great having you here and i'm excited to hopefully see you soon um yes yes
2: thank you thank you for having me here it was a very nice discussion and thank you jay for those insights i've made a note of cross innovation and everything so (laughs) i will contact you if i need more information
1: fantastic
0: yeah Jay, like, um, how did you experience this discussion? Like, finally, what are your last thoughts you know, on this? I mean, we, we, di- we, are, yeah, we were like in different angles, you know, and, um, and everything. But what is your, I think, key message for the audience? You know,
1: my key message for the audience is there is hope. Don't mm-hmm. give up. Don't surrender. As long as we have people that think about this, that can articulate all of these things, that are looking into the corners and into the shadows there's still hope. And yeah. we still can change it.
2: It's very nice. I like it. very positive.
0: <laughs> yeah. it, gives us, it
2: definitely gives us hope. Yes.
0: Yeah. Hope and act. I think like, especially, you know, for the younger generation, like sustainability is a really emotional topic as well. And I think there are solutions out there. Um, it's just a matter of time and also co-creation, like working better together, strengthening, transparency and trust and really changing our mindset bit by bit. Um, And it will take time, but it's possible. And um, if you want to, you know, reach out to us, we also have a future navigation website from Tejin. You can find um, it in the description. I'm super excited to um, see you in our fourth episode um, in two weeks. And yeah, I wish you all a great day. Don't lose hope and act now.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Francisco Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye bye. Yeah. Thank you.